Hey, man. How you doing? Good. What do we got today? Solana's, Solana's back down. up. Down and up. I think it just came back. Uh, okay, let me just change the title. Solana went down. Do you, do you, what are your thoughts about Monero? Already, I'm fixing you, don't worry. What are your thoughts on Monero getting delisted? I'm not surprised. I mean, I think that uh, most privacy will be built into more decentralized protocols and platforms in the future. And I think that any centralized exchange probably that has privacy coins listed is getting in line with regulators. I, mean, I don't really know, but I would imagine it's just like not worth their risk to allow it to be traded, especially if it has low volume and, you know, could, yeah, I, I, that's just my, my assumption is that it's sort of a narrative of the past. Their upside is so limited to have it listed with extreme downside. So I'm not saying it's right, just for the record, anyone listening, I think it's wrong. I think we should be able to trade whatever. I think these privacy coins are exceptionally important, but it's just no upside for them. Did you um, also, did you, have you been keeping up with what's happening in China? I mean, very little, to be honest. I kind of was, uh, took a few days off, but uh, I'm sure we have uh, people who can speak much better to that than me. <laughs> Dave. Uh, TLDR, my economy looking not looking good. Markets crash. Stimulus kicked in. Markets, I think, pumped today. Um, yeah, I saw that. Uh, a TLDR. But, but Dave and Simon, we talked about China yesterday. Maybe give us a, a quick recap of what we we'll discussed yesterday and your thoughts on the developments today and the market uh, pumping. I think there's like a $200 billion stimulus, something along those lines that was announced. But maybe you guys are following it closely. Uh, yeah, from my side, this is what I wasn't looking for. Um, I was uh, hoping that China would actually just let it rip, let banks fail, uh, go through um, and come back to fight another day. But if they're doing more stimulus, more Ponzi economics, more bailouts, um, I think they did. I think they, they made some good moves. They were reducing bank reserves, which I thought was the right thing to do. But yeah, if they're pushing in stimulus, then they're just rolling over. Um, and going through the same kick the can down the road uh, philosophy that all fiat currencies follow. So to me, it's, it's, it's good short term. Everyone can um, get some hopium into their stocks, but it's bad long term. Now, what do you think it means for – go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, the, the number of times that people in control of economies – elect to take pain, <laughs> you know, compared to kicking the can down the road. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time that somebody had it. I mean, you would think someone with the kind of political power that G has might have been. And, and I, I read what Simon wrote yesterday, and I was actually hopeful. I kind of agree with Simon on this one. I mean, I think that he, he had enough power maybe to do it. Virtually nobody else does. You know, it, but it's completely unsurprising. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we live in a time of where, you know, it, it, markets are more, I hate to use the word manipulated because that generally means short term moves, but certainly uh, controlled. Uh, more than any other. And this just is another one. I mean, at the end of the day, it tends not to work. Uh, it tends to be a short-term thing and structural problems still need to get unwound. I mean, there's still some ungodly amount of real estate not being used there and things that have been built that aren't being used. But, you know, it, it is what it is, and they're going to continue to try to push the narrative. Yeah, as you said, Dave, you know, you would have thought if anyone could do it, Xi Jinping could, could do it because he doesn't need to worry about the 
four or five year cycle. And apparently Bekele doesn't need to worry about it as well, even though it's unconstitutional. Um, but, you know, economies that have to deal with this four year cycle, they're the most subject to short termism manipulation in order to win the next okay. election. Because otherwise someone comes along and just roll, does a bailout and makes everything look better and then everyone votes. And what impact do you expect it to have on the uh, on crypto? Uh, crypto is it's interesting. You know, we, we've got these two competing narratives with crypto where, yeah, if everything's shit, you get the risk off stuff. But at the same time, Bitcoin solves many of the fundamental um, problems. So short term, you never know which one, which direction it's going to go. But long term, the reason I like Bitcoin is because either result would have led and, and supported the Bitcoin narrative. Um, so I think it just leads to yeah a, a pump and people feeling more happy and then make more likely getting into some of your altcoin super cycle type things. I mean, from my, from my perspective, Mario, it, it removes one more piece of overhang uh, that's holding back the markets. I mean, look, we are in a very tight trading range, have been for days now, uh, you know, on the back of everything. You know, we, cons- we, we are... This is a textbook consolidation uh, before a bull run. Uh, it could be, to, you know, obviously it's it, it's one of those things that happens. But you know, we had this run from twenty five to forty eight retracement down into the the range we're in now, and it's it's very strong. And you know, there's the, the things that cause bull runs are when the overhangs are gone. And the two big overhangs that were left, the bigger one is, you know, supply, right? You know, GBTC being, you know, the head, whatever the unhedged GBTC exposure was, uh, it's a hell of a lot less now, but there's still some. Uh, the other one was that China would crater the global economy and we'd go into a deflationary spiral. I, I, I you almost hate to mention that because, Scott, you weren't on yesterday on your show, but you know, that that's sort of, you know, that's the doomer part part of it, which I think is absolutely incredibly unlikely and obviously now is, is even vanishingly less likely. So it does matter. And talking about GBTC, Juan, maybe give us a quick update on the ETF numbers. I was just looking at them earlier. I'll try to open it up. Uh, but it's good to have you and Matt here again. Uh, I just really appreciate you guys being so transparent and just uh, updating everyone. So got Matt, yeah. just for the audio, got Matt and Juan have been with us uh, constantly giving us updates, both from Bitwise, uh, obviously giving us updates about Bitwise, but the ETFs in, uh, ETFs in general. Yeah, th- thank you for, for having me on again. Um, the Bitcoin ETF flows have uh, continued strongly. The week prior to the last one, uh, there were uh, net outflows of uh, about 400 or so million, and people were worried that the inflows were, were starting to grind to a halt. But then last week, uh, we saw new net inflows of 700 million. So another strong week. Uh, and as of yesterday, we've had uh, total inflows into the total flows into the ETFs of 7.6 billion with net inflows of 1.5 billion. So uh, we're still seeing strong momentum uh, and are continuing to be excited by, uh, by the traction that, that these ETFs are seeing. Matt? Yeah, I think Juan has it right. Uh, I also think we're we're starting to tiptoe into the next and probably more important phase. Uh, you know, I know Bitwise has been approved on more than ten national account platforms. That's sort of where you get the next phase of growth, where you can sell into major uh, groups of advisors uh, and they can start accessing the assets. So 
I'm really impressed that we're still seeing net positive flows, uh, still seeing relatively strong trading volumes. And I think, you know, over the next few months, we're going to move into the second phase of growth, uh, which is exciting. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think the ETFs are still doing very well. Matt, do we have any yeah, concept? Matt- sorry, really quickly, like what percentage of these platforms currently offer uh, access to the ETFs and what percent we're still waiting for? Yeah, it's still a minority that are offering access. It's still a minority. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's 20% and not the biggest ones. But if other ETF issuers' calendars look like my calendar, uh, there are a lot of meetings going on. And I expect that will continue to change. But at least, you know, I, I think I said a few spaces ago, the door was open a crack. Now you can walk through the door. You know, maybe we're 20% of the way there. But the other 80% is lining up to make these decisions, you know, over the next two or three months. It's happening, Scott, faster than I thought it would. I knew it would happen, but it's happening a little bit faster than I thought. Andrew? Yeah, it's it's fits and starts in the traditional uh, financial sort of wealth management world. So you have some organizations that are, you know, maybe more considered you know, your online type of wealth management folks, but a place like LPL, which uh, a good portion of the folks listening to this space don't have any idea who that is, but they employ, let's call it 20,000 plus advisors. A place like Edward Jones, Folks may not know who that is. There's another almost 20,000 advisors. Let's call it 40,000 advisors just between those two organizations. LPL, uh, I think Thursday or Friday of last week, um, their head of you know approving products, whatever his title is, said, we're going to wait another three months and then take another look at, at potentially approving uh, Bitcoin ETFs you know, inside of our platform. Well, 40,000 advisors between those two organizations, you know, there's about there's about a half million, uh, you know, financial advisors in the United States uh, that are Series 7 and Series 63 licensed. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's 10% of the total right there just between those two organizations. So Matt's right. There's only about 20% of advisors that have access for their clients uh, to these products. Um, so there's going to be a longer tail, which... You know, for inflows associated with, you know, the Bitcoin ETFs, maybe that's a positive uh, because it's a more measured process by which, you know, client inflows can happen. Um, but there is, you know, th- there is going to be some educational processes going on. Um, there's going to be different factions of people that are in charge of the gatekeeping here. And I suspect folks like Matt and other leadership uh, individuals and executives at the Bitcoin uh, ETF um, firms are going to spend time, you know, at the LPLs. They're going to spend time in Minneapolis at the headquarters of Ameriprise, which again is another 15,000 advisors. Um, You know, they're going to have to spend time there, uh, get the approvals that need to happen. And then again, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you know, more upticks in, um, in inflows. Interestingly enough, at most of those places, GBTC is approved and able to be held inside of accounts. So the fact that you're seeing continued outflows associated uh, with that product, um, while not having necessarily a like-minded product, another Bitcoin ETF to move that money into, 
Um, that's an interesting dynamic in and of itself, I think. Simon. Simon. Yeah, do you know what? This this is absolutely fascinating listening to like the Trad Fies and people and Andrew as well. Like we're having these two worlds trying to figure each other out right now. So while Andrew was sharing like everything that the TradFi industry is doing to, to bring in the next wave of Bitcoiners through the stock market, um, on our side, in, in the Celsius bankruptcy emergence, we're, we're looking to issue, we're taking a Bitcoin mining company public and we're issuing 100,000 creditors' shares. I cannot tell you how many tens of thousands, um, I, I don't know the exact percentage, I'd love to in the end, that literally I've never owned a share in my life. How do I how do I take delivery of a share? What is a share? How is it actually going to work? Um, and they're like, can you airdrop it to my MetaMask wallet? Uh, and it's just fascinating to experience these these two mer- these two worlds merging and seeing crypto people having to be shoehorned into owning shares like reluctantly against their against their will. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point I hadn't really thought about specifically to the Celsius bankruptcy. But um, I think that, you know, this intersection Andrew and Matt are sort of talking about is it, it's inevitable and only for me, it can be a top of funnel to people coming into Bitcoin, right? And so I think that uh, it's a huge net positive that we're getting the intersection of these two worlds and we can never see Bitcoin grow until it happened. So... It is an interesting dynamic that Simon just talked about that there are, you know, sections of the economy and quote unquote wealth management, which is growing up in a space where they're they're accustomed to the way that that crypto operates. Right. And then there's a larger section of quote unquote personal wealth management, which only understands you know, the traditional ways that, that, uh, you know, finance and and wealth management works, right? So, you know, crypto folks um, that are native crypto folks and have never dabbled much into traditional finance, you know, the idea of, um, you know, waiting a day or two or even three, it used to be T plus three, you know, you do a transaction and that transaction wouldn't settle for three days, Right. That was an accepted process and policy, whereas crypto native folks are like, oh, I'm pissed off. It's taking an extra, you know, 17 minutes for my Bitcoin transaction to process. Bitcoin sucks. You know, I'm going to use some other chain. Right. Um, Maybe. maybe, Yeah. I I, want to kind of pivot that discussion, Andrew, to get your thoughts on Solana being down. I think it's the first time in like about a year, I think it's been 11, 12 months. The Solana's down. Yeah, I, I, I and uh, I want to get your thoughts on. I I've, I made a post. Um, I don't know a year or so ago, um, and I'll just own it. It's about as bad a post as I've ever made. Um, where Solana was at nine bucks, and I'm like, listen, Solana, Solana's dead. It's just, it's absolutely dead. It's, it's garbage. And then of course, Solana went from like seven dollars to a hundred and whatever. What, what what made what made you say that? Well, Why did you, say I, you know, that I, I didn't. Uh, again, to be fair, um, I I thought to myself, the overhang associated with you know SBF's involvement in Solana, 
Um, even though, you know, the guy didn't invent it, he didn't create it. He simply, you know, bought in in a big way, you know, into the ecosystem, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, I, 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 that was top of mind for me that there was going to be this ongoing attachment, um, with SBF and to the credit of, of, you know, the developers at Solana and the ecosystem and the frankly remarkable work. Um, that that uh, you know that brand has done that to to, to resurrect it and, and to turn it into a you know a highly usable um, you know blockchain um, you know all credit to them at the same time um, you know it, what networks other than quote unquote Bitcoin are up all the time anywhere on the planet for anything that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think does, any any of them. Does anyone does any does anyone know the technical reason that Solana went down? I haven't seen a full How explanation yet. I think I haven't seen it yet. I haven't been able to find anything clear. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, I, d- I don't know on the price action, um, but I was just gonna. Price action. Uh, I, I was I was asking more on, on like why not technical as in price wise technical as in why did the, the network go down? But in terms of price, uh, Solana did go. I haven't looked at it for a couple of hours, but it did drop, but not by much. I think it's like the lowest one is like four five percent down, and then up again. I'm not sure if someone can open the charts now and check. But yeah, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I was just gonna uh, I was just gonna share a bit of interesting on the Solana side in relation to um, the bankruptcies as well because. In the FTX bankruptcy, they they have a very large position in Solana that unlocks over the years ahead. But they um, are now making they're using the price arbitrage to make creditors 100% whole in dollar terms. So everyone has a claim based upon Bitcoin at sixteen seventeen thousand um, dollars. There, the estate gets to keep all the upside and then sell all the crypto in order to make everyone whole. And then the next subordinated class in line will get all the upside after 100%. And so, in effect, what that means is there's going to be a very large locked-in Solana position that will be entitled to the next in creditor. So everyone only gets like 30% of their Bitcoin back, but they're made to believe they're 100% whole. And then the upside is stolen, essentially, and given to the Alameda investors. And then the next in line after that is the IRS. So the IRS could end up with uh, the bigger, the, the larger upside, the larger this Solana position grows. And um, the yeah, the, as the unlocks start going forward. And I think this bit, I could be wrong. Maybe someone knows, but it's like up to 10% of the entire supply as far as I know. I don't know the exact numbers. I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I want to go back to just Solana being down as well. How big of a deal it is? Since everyone's pretty chill about it, the market is not reacting. Yeah, uh, but it, it is interesting to, to Andrew's point. If if Solana had an outage when price was low, it's a huge disaster. But if something goes out when price is high, people seem to gloss over it and just sort of move on with their lives. It's really true. Yeah, I, it all is driven by price. Right. I think you know. I think an outage is concerning because. Um, whether it's a, a direct or indirect type of, of outage where it's caused by an entity where it's some sort of attack or whether it's an indirect outage where there's some sort of failure somewhere <clears throat> that, that, that gives some, 
some thought and concern associated with, um, you know, the viability and usability of, of the chain itself. Now, to be fair, um, you know, if you look over the past, you know, six, 12 months, um, it's been up 99 plus percent of the time, you know, that's from a statistical standpoint, that that's fantastic. But, you know, one would be concerned, um, about the ability for long term, uh, for there to be some sort of attack, some sort of issue that, that would be my concern. You know, if it's something, yeah, well, but, 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 but Andrew, then why isn't the market Juan, by the way, there's a bit of a glitch. I don't know why maybe force close the app and come back Juan. I know you're trying to request, but Andrew, why, uh, uh, why isn't the market reacting, um, Accordingly, to the because concern. because pricing um, and market narratives aren't rational. That's why, uh, because people want the price to stay above a, a certain amount. They want Solana to go up. It's it's one of the one of the market's favorite darlings right now. Uh, that's just the reality of it. Um, so, you know, as as Scott just said, if the price had been eleven dollars. Um, the outage would have caused it to go to eight and a half, seven. It had been a much bigger deal. So, you know, I, again, I'm not an expert in outages. I have no idea technically what happened here. Folks at my company would laugh about the fact that I have an opinion about the technical portions of this conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, from a pricing standpoint, I, I think uh, it has to do more with market narratives and the differences in emotions about a particular asset at different price points. Um, Scott, Scott Amara, help, help me out. How do you have the word outage and blockchain in the same sentence? I, I thought this wasn't, how, how is that even a thing? In good question. Else? That's a good question. Um, maybe someone more technical could answer that one. Dave, Matt, you want to take a stab? And Steven's here as well. Well, I'm not going to answer that question because I, I, we haven't seen the details yet. I mean, you know, there's still it's still a network. Things things break, but the answer to why the market's not moving that's an easy one. Uh, in its history, Coinbase has had multiple outages, uh, many, and most of them, you know, whatever. Did you say? Did you say? Hold on, but did you say Coinbase? Yeah, yeah it used to be a joke that any time okay. price moved more than one percent, you couldn't access Coinbase. <laughs> right. So okay, and, yeah. and Amazon has had multiple outages in various data centers. And as far as I know, in neither of those cases, when, when those sorts of things happen, were the, the assets themselves impacted. The, the simple point is, is the demand for Solana is based upon the notion that applications like Jupyter, which is why I mentioned Coinbase, uh, and other applications, why I mentioned Amazon, will demand it. And if it turns out that the reason it went down is because there's a fatal flaw that it just can't scale or something that is going to stop it, the price is going to get slaughtered. If it turns out that the, a developer working with applications had, you know, created something which, you know, was a latent bug that they're patching, okay, people are going to take it in stride. And until you know, it, it tends not to be smart to, uh, to, to guess <laughs> in these sorts of situations. Does it make it slightly more risky? Of course. But we need to know the why. Without knowing the why, you can't really make an investment decision. That's all I'll say. Yeah, man. I, I, I was actually going to say the same thing. I mean, since since the start of the internet, outages haven't been a reason to uh, sell stocks. I mean, Facebook went down two years ago, as an example, and the price is up massively since then. Uh, and you've seen this in crypto's history time and time again. 
Uh, it's just the, you know, in 90 plus percent of the cases, uh, the market just shrugs off outages. And so it, it pays not to overreact. And, and again, that's been true for 30 years across all sorts of internet applications. Yeah, this this is very different for a, a blockchain is meant to solve that problem, though, that there is no centralized layer that can create an outage. If a blockchain can't go, can't function without an outage, it's, it's not a blockchain. It's not. It is literally defying the fundamental principle of what it was created. This is, this is exactly like, that's why I kind of was surprised when we started making the comparisons to Amazon, Coinbase, the internet. But, but Stephen, maybe you could explain a bit more on what could cause an outage and how you could have a blockchain and an outage in the same. One sentence. could make the case though that an outage is somewhat a positive thing because if you're having an outage based on capacity and the fact that people are using the heck out of that product, i.e., Coinbase, i.e., Amazon i.e. any other type of, of entity that has a, an enormous amount of traffic, I don't know, kind of a net positive, right? There, there, there's that part of the narrative. Uh, Steven? Well, Steven, yeah, Andrew, Andrew but, kind of just uh, talk a little bit about, about my point. I mean, if you go back to like the early days of eBay, if anybody remembers, they had huge outages. And I know it was centralized, but that, could help cause, you know, a, a blockchain's outage. It depends on what part of the, like, where is, where is, but, but the, how, where is, this, uh, is this is boomer talk. How, Blockchains are not meant to have, it's not a centralized service. It's meant to be, no, yeah, it's not, it's not meant to, literally it's the fundamental principle of a blockchain is, is that it's meant to function. And, and if there is a lot of volume, then that means transaction fees, increase and you have to try and figure out how to increase throughput but the whole function it literally if, if that is the comparison then salon is a piece of shit <laughs> we need someone we need someone that understands the technicals i think because a blockchain should never have an outage that was the nature of my quote-unquote commentary about a year ago simon is that you know solana uh, you know to what degree or what percentage um, their network is based on, you know, centralized servers, whether it's AWS and the like. You know, again, I'm not familiar with what those percentages are, um, but you're right. Um, you know, if, if, if it's a quote unquote blockchain, you know, this type of stuff, you know, shouldn't happen. And yet it does. So, again, we're back to the question about narrative and about price and adjustments to price when something like this happens, there's there's different dynamics at at, at place. There's your your job. Someone, yeah, go ahead, Matt and Stephen. Oh, I was just going to add. I mean, yes, it, it, it's true. It it shouldn't generally happen, but it it has happened throughout history. I mean, Bitcoin's gone down twice. Uh, it was just in its early days, right? So, what um, do you mean by gone down? You mean it forked? Or... It had a network outage. Yeah, it had a network outage in 2010. It had a network outage in 2013. Um, 2013 was due to a fork that, that sort of uh, sort of failed and disagreed. Um, so it's not it's not Im impossible, particularly in the early stages. And and I think Solana is still very early. I, again, I don't think it's great. Yeah. I, see, I see that the Solana armies in the comments uh, kind of defending Solana. Yeah, let's bring, Mario, bring someone up to early Solana because we're. 
Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 look, I brought up Stephen. I'll let you. I know you didn't finish. I'll let you finish off before I go to Beat Broker. I know you were very passionately sending all these emojis when you requested, but so I'm not. I'm not sure what value, uh, how you could uh, add to this. But I do want to ask before you go, Beat Broker. I do want to ask the audience if there's anyone technical. We try to invite a few just too short notice. If anyone technical could maybe explain this a bit further for us. I know Solana hasn't um, hasn't commented on the outage yet, as far as I'm aware. But if there's anyone technical that give us different uh, scenarios and whether we should be concerned, uh, please do request and maybe also DM me so so I know th what your experience is. But Stephen, did you have anything more to add on this before we go to beat? Well, I was just going to say there's been the centralized services. I understand that you're saying it's not supposed to be a blockchain, but they're not all blockchains in the sense that, you know, we're talking about an idealistic sense. So the centralized exchanges, we've had these experiences over the last 10 years where the Coinbases have caused the throughput um, where it looks like it's been, the, you know, caused by the blockchain. Um, and so you've seen those over time. Uh, Solana's uh, volume has increased. And so we don't really know how much of it, you know, what their backend is being used um, through the decentralized mm. services for itself. So it's mainly, it may not be the blockchain itself that's causing the problem. Peter, I saw I was looking at your profile before bringing you up. I know you're you're pretty deep in the Solana NFT ecosystem, so maybe give us an update on the on the sentiment there, and also why you were disagreeing with the um, panel earlier. Not not necessarily disagreeing, but but just a point that um, to speculate on why the network was down at this point, I think it's a disservice to everybody. Um, we, we don't we don't know the technicals behind it. It could have been a planned event. Okay, what we have to keep in mind is we just saw the Jupiter airdrop on Solana go off without a hitch. That was the largest airdrop across any ecosystem ever accomplished. And it, it didn't even put a dent in the ecosystem. So this could be an adjustment after that fact, preparing for future stuff forward. And I think Solana made it about 360 some odd days without a single outage. Um, and the other thing, mm. I, I, I don't think the fact that it goes down for a moment, whether it's for an upgrade or for um, um, some some sort of repair. I don't think that negates the fact that it's a blockchain. I I, I don't think those two are are are. No, but B, let me let me let me read out Simon Simon hold on Simon. Simon, let me let me read out a few comments and and DMs I've gotten. So, got VZ here said Solana's down because of network congestion. The only reason why they ever shut down the network. It happened so many times. You got Sam, who's been on the space many times, runs a pretty big crypto project. As some of you would know him from the early uh, space days. I'd assume this is a validator node issue. I suspect Solana will confirm soon. And we've got here, obviously, we're all speculating here. We got here, another person says, blockchains still need servers. It will happen. However, the third party manipulative interests don't exist as it doesn't tradfi. Small player manipulations can occur, though, but not huge market maker manipulations. Um, and last one, Solana's okay. That's a bit different. So it's just some some. Uh, yeah, to be nobody on this nobody on this space is, you know, was was using conjecture about why the outage happened. In fact, we all defaulted to, hey, we're not sure why the outage happened, and technically, we don't know yet. In fact, all of us said that. So, you know, if anybody wants to get in their feelings about us talking about it, I mean, it, that that's your prerogative. But we all defaulted to, we don't know yet. Um, and we'll find out when we find out. Um, no, but this, so. this is what confuses me. Mm. In, in an open source project, everyone knows exactly what's coming. If there's, if you're forking 
and there's an there's something that goes wrong with that fork, then that that creates a new chain. Um, if we're asking who switched off the network in itself, then we're we're literally not dealing with anything decentralized here. It's just the the most strangest conversation that no nobody like. When when you're talking about the Bitcoin thing, a, a bug is identified. It's an open source project. People put forward improvement proposals. It gets pa- it gets patched into the code. It's completely open source. So the fact that we're even relying on oh the company needs to tell us what's happened here implies to me that we're we're not even we're dealing with a centralized ecosystem here, which is the fundamental problem of what Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, what blockchains try to solve. Yeah, I'm just going through the comments. <laughs> this is a good one. A lot of things will cause a lot of that. <laughs> Great explanation. Thanks, Garmin. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just going through if there's any other interesting explanations to read out. But um, I think we've covered it well. Uh, a lot of the comments are saying, look, they've been down, you know, what, three, four times before. So that shouldn't be uh, too big of a concern. But yes, yeah, so, so I think it's a concern because it's stop. been so long. And if you asked in all the interviews and conversations we've had about it was we fixed it. Right, and it won't have kind of it won't yeah. happen again. So I think it, yeah, it's that was definitely one of the, an eyebrow razor to see it. I think happening again. When uh, w- yeah, when the when the when Solano's pumping, one of the things that people said is like, hey, it hasn't gone down in whatever almost a year, um, and that's one of the, the the reasons why it's getting a lot of attention. And now it's gone down again. But uh, again, we don't have an explanation from Solana Tiger. Anything to add on that one? Yeah, um, I think the point that's being missed too is like you act. I think you guys are acting like the people using this chain care. Like, I don't think you understand who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a bunch of absolute degenerates who don't give a fuck. The chain goes down here and there. No, like, I'm being serious. Like, I don't know how often you guys interact with the chain, but I interact with it all the time. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody cares about this. They're going to be like, all right, I can't wait to ape my next shitcoin. Like, they don't care. Hmm. And I think... I don't remember who else said it earlier, but it's a valid point. Like, how many times has AWS gone down? How many times has fucking Google gone down? And, you know, Meta's properties. Did, did you sell the stock because... But should you but should you be comparing it to those? Or should be I think it to that you should Bitcoin? be comparing uh, Solana to a, you know, to other major I mean, consumer applications. Yes, I think you should. Let me let me read out let me read out this good explanation. I've just pinned it above from Matthew Siegel. Thanks to, to people in the comments sending it through. Solana outage, what has about less than an hour ago. BPF loader, the Berkeley packet filter, which is the mechanism to deploy, upgrade, and execute programs on Solana, failed. This seems to relate to a previous previous Solana improvement proposal that altered some of the features, including the adding of a blocker. All right, it's very technical, things outside my pay grade, but you can all also, check it I out. Don't it's know a pinned tweet. I think that the, just the last thing is that Phantom downloads, so the wallet, the the native wallet for Solana, actually exceeded Coinbase downloads for I think the first or second time. So obviously, there's been a lot of you know activity on the network the last uh, you know few months uh, and more recently. Um, so just growing pains. Yeah, so, so yeah, and, and uh, obviously, you know, for me, I look at the price. If I want to determine, I know a lot of people don't like to do that, but I, you know, I, I everyone's uh, analysis, everyone's thoughts, everyone's uh, speculation on how serious this is will ref- will be reflected to an extent uh, in the price. And you know, the price doesn't seem to be overreacting. Uh, but you could okay, uh, Mario. Here's a non-technical explanation. So basically, there was a planned upgrade, 
and there is something within that upgrade that has led to an outage the fact that like no one even like yeah the the people involved in this ecosystem weren't really involved in understanding that there's some kind of upgrade um it implies that people aren't really following the you know the the development and this type of thing but then they're looking to so you're saying people yeah but then they're looking to a particular it looks like centralized group or something in order to fix the problem and give them an announcement so the analogy of I think that's just a, but, 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 but would, you, would it be fair to say like you know we're still very early I, I know it's an overused term but we are still very early decentralization is a process and a lot of it is experimenting well Solana's we don't know Solana's how, how. meant to be the third largest most important part of the the ecosystem here like th- this is the ethereum killer right this is the one that's saying everyone can mm. migrate over from ethereum over here yeah well let, look uh, for anyone in the audience let us know in the bottom right corner in that purple bubble what you think of this whether that concerns you especially those within the ecosystem um, if you want to check out the explanation by matthew siegel i've pinned it above i've also pinned should have mentioned it earlier there's the show uh, the that me and Ran were judging on the Shark Tank of crypto, that's gonna go live in two days, so you can watch it. And there's a few clips I've posted on my account, posting you on every day, and there's one pinned on my account. But you can see the trailer, the new trailer, just pinned above on the space. So if you want to watch it, I think there's a link there on where you could watch it. It's pretty entertaining. Um, so I want to give him a shout out. So it's pinned above along with the explanation by Matthew Siegel. But uh, look, I think we've we've um, we've covered it. Well, Scott, we could, we'll could we discuss it again tomorrow. We'll get a bunch of people from the ecosystem and, and probably we'll have a, a, some sort of comment from Solana yeah. um, that we could, uh, uh, we could use to kind of get a bit more insight. But I think we've covered uh, everything pretty well. Yeah, I, oh, we, there's Monero delisted, so maybe, maybe you ask your, your quick thoughts. Yeah, why we talked about it at the beginning. There was kind of nobody here. Oh, yeah, we did. We did yeah, yeah, but I think it's literally just uh, centralized exchanges getting in line with regulation and delisting privacy coins. And I have to imagine that Monero has extremely low volume at this point. So probably a lot uh, less downside uh, to just delist it and probably, well, uh, a ton of downside by keeping it and being, you know, sort of uh, against regulation or or what they think might be coming. Sorry, Scott, where's it delisted from? Binance is delisting Monero. Uh, Yeah. Um, So, so for those of you that, that don't know, um, just uh, Monero is a privacy-centric coin, and it is the, the one that has like the most traction when people started to discover that Bitcoin on Silk Road wasn't so anonymous. And it's a really interesting debate because um, Binance is obviously now being taken, you know, they've got the Insight Inspector um, as a result of the settlement. And so there's no real argument when things like the travel rule come through where you need to know when you're a centralized entity, you need to know the location of the recipient and you need to provide data to where it's going to. Um, With Monero, that's very problematic. So um, this is where there's a lot of friction in the growth days of Bitcoin, whether we should introduce code changes that made it more privacy-centric and zero knowledge and various other things. Um, but the, the challenge is with this is with Bitcoin, you've kind of got this compromise, which is if, if you commit crime with Bitcoin, you create an immutable record and a lot of criminals are getting caught because even if it's like seven to eight or 10 years later, uh, they're creating those immutable records and then eventually they're connecting identity 
And then once you can make that connection, um, you've got you, you don't have plausible deniability. Whereas with Monero, it's like this whole privacy side. So Monero, you'd expect to be pure utility, but the downside is that you'd expect it over time to be delisted from all of the exchanges because a pure privacy coin and a centralized entity in the end are highly likely to be compatible. And this is probably the first signal that a company like Binance, once it falls within more regulations that you start to see delisting of privacy coins, you may see things like Dash and various other ones that were built around this privacy ecosystem next. I agree. Yeah, cool. I think that's, that's a better, better summary. Mario, Mario, you're a little robotic, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we can go ahead and uh, cut it and come back yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, connected my Bluetooth. But I think we've covered everything, Scott. Um, and um, we'll, we'll, I think we're just going to cover Solana a bit more tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much it. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy your day. We'll see you tomorrow, same time as always. Bye, everyone. Thanks for the panel.